0: Hi, I'm Rami.
1: And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. Rami, we're talking about Martin Short. You and like your love of like film and stuff. And is this like his autobiography? His biography?
0: His autobiography. Okay. And he reads it. I listen to it. He reads it. He does his character's voices, which is delightful.
1: Yeah. So my husband would be embarrassed that I'm asking this question. But like, can you remind me of who Martin Short is or like some of the films or whatever that he was part of?
0: Yes. Not embarrassing. Because a lot of the characters that Martin Short plays are like heavily prosthetic. But the non-heavily prosthetic characters would be um, the movie The Three Amigos with Chevy Chase and Steve Martin. He was the littlest it. one. Uh, he starred in a movie called Inner Space. Haven't seen You've it. You've definitely seen Father of the Bride. Yes, I have. He's the wedding planner.
1: Oh, I know exactly he who does he that, is now. Like
0: wild accent that is completely indistinguishable as a like real accent.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, he played a 10 year old kid in the movie Clifford, which is fantastic. And I just rewatched having forgotten that i watched it a lot as a child i really like clifford and then uh most recently he is in only murders in the building with selena gomez and um steve martin yeah
1: i really want to see that that's on hulu right
0: yes and it's excellent and i couldn't be happier about more martin short and steve martin in my life so
1: i can't wait that's probably gonna be our next up steve martin
0: short so martin short The book is called, I Must Say, My Life as a Humble Comedy Legend, which I just think is incredible writing as a title. So it's about his life. It's an interesting read. It's not a necessarily very long read, but it's good. It kind of walks you through everything. He's one of the only people that was on SCTV, which was like the Canadian equivalent of SNL. And then he was also on SNL. So like very much in the vein of things in the 70s and 80s. There's an anecdote that I have to share because it was in Steve Martin's book. It was in Martin Short's book. And it was in another book I read about all these comedy guys in the 80s because it's wonderful. So Steve Martin in the mid 70s was like the biggest comedian in the world, like literally set records for most like highest grossing tours and everything, like literally the most famous person in terms of comedy at that time. And he wanted Martin Short in Three Amigos with him and Chevy Chase. And so Steve Martin invited him over to his house. And Steve Martin tells a story and says, like, this is when I knew that me and Martin Short were going to be best friends for the rest of our lives. Martin Short walks in and Steve Martin is a huge art collector. So there's like Picassos, there's Lichtensteins, there's all this art on the walls. And Martin Short looks at all of it and goes how did you get all of this? Like, I've seen your stuff. It's not that good. <laughs> and Martin short, Char- Steve Martin was like, I knew at that moment, like we were going to be best friends. He's like, because no one has made me laugh that hard.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> you need people who keep you humble.
0: Yes. So what I want to talk about though, is this idea and this thing that he does, which is called the nine categories. So he was super, super consistently employed as an actor. And then in the late seventies, he thought his career was going to take off and he just like, wasn't getting anything. Mm. And he said, this was a new experience for me. It was frustrating state of professional limbo. And he resented that. And I saw it as I saw it. My fate was somehow no longer in my own hands. It really felt like the world was conspiring against me. Mm. And so he knew his career was gonna be filled with hot and cold streaks because that's how show business works. So he developed and devised this a self-evaluation system called the nine categories to objectively weigh the good and the bad in his life. So my first question for you, Shannon, is do you have a way to check in on all aspects of your life? Yeah, I
1: do. Uh, I can't tell if this is a plant question or not. <laughs> uh, I do. And I call it the the values and vision intensive. And I do it once a year. Um, and then I host groups to do it twice a year. Some people like to do every six months. Some people just do it once a year, whatever it is.
0: So you go down and you're just like looking at all aspects and trying to make sure that you have checked in with everything.
1: Yeah. I have eight categories. I think you say that he has nine. Um, So I'm curious how these will compare or contrast to the eight categories that I run with typically. Um, yeah, I've heard some people who narrow it down to six, but yeah, there's eight categories that I will check in with to just like, think like what's working, what's not working. Um, what's the vision that I want to hold, which ones are most important to me, which ones aren't. Cause like, you just can't prioritize all flipping eight or nine areas all the time, in my opinion. So I'm curious to learn more about this system that he has.
0: All right, let's go through this and the descriptions of them are his descriptions. So... They're humorous. Okay, so his nine categories are... Category one is self, so your own personal health and safety. The second category is immediate family, so the proverbial spouse and children. The third category is the original family, so the people you grew up with. huh. Category four is friends, the health of your friendships. Category five is money, so right or wrong, the scorecard that most people pay attention to. Uh, category six... Career, how fulfilling your work is. Uh, Seven, creativity, your innate creativity outside of work. Hmm. Eight is discipline, having the self-control to implement your goals. Barf. And then...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that category at all.
0: (laughs) So, it's interesting. Uh, Let me say nine and then let's go back to eight. So, nine is lifestyle. Are you actually having any fun? Hmm. So, discipline for him is more like, am I... Cause he brings it back to like, I'm an actor and I need to be in a certain shape to perform. Like I need to have enough cardio so that I can be on stage for two hours a night or whatever it is. Got it. So do I have the self discipline to make sure that I am able to accomplish my goals?
1: So I would probably combine categories one and eight. One is self, your own personal health and safety and eight discipline. I just have a category of health um, and I have mental, spiritual, physical, like let's check in with the health. Yep. So I'm I'm softening to that idea now. And then the category nine of lifestyle, are you actually having any fun? I I really like that. Just that question of like, are you actually having any fun?
0: (laughs) That was like the one that he emphasizes the most is like, at the end of all of it, like, are you actually having fun? Because if you're not, then like none of the other eight matter because like you're not enjoying your life. Yeah. So he claimed the reason for doing this was that he wanted to see if logic could overcome emotion. Mm. Because in those cold streaks, he would say, oh, I'm like, I'm the worst. Nobody wants to hire me. And so he was like, but wait, I've got nine things that I need to work on. And career category six is just one piece of that. Mm -hmm. So how do I pull up my grades in categories, the other eight categories, bring those up to A, A minuses, To offset my F in my career so that I still get a passing grade. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What's really fascinating is he did this, does this weekly. Weekly? Does it weekly. He goes over
1: every category weekly?
0: Goes over it weekly. Holy crap. And he takes notes on what he has coming up in the week. To understand how that may impact the different categories, hmm. which I think is a interesting thing because it comes like a de facto journal almost.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I approach it differently. So I set a vision and like I reflect on the categories and then I set a vision once a year for myself personally. And then I check in more like once a month. But then once a month, I will establish what I call, like, what's the matter's most practice this month? Like, what are the handful of things that I'm really going to that that are really important to me most? So I don't know. Maybe I am reflecting it. And then I'm looking at that every week. But, yeah, I'm not, like, totally re-blowing up my vision every week. But it sounds I, like I don't he think, isn't either.
0: I don't think he is. And I think it's more like he's checking in. It's less like, am I like, what are my visions and goals for myself? It's more like, here are my nine areas. Yeah. And how am I doing? And what could potentially derail one of them that would force me to maybe overcompensate in other places?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I like this because I like the the idea of logic overcoming emotion because I think of those low points, and I think, yeah, like, that one category overtakes it, but you don't realize that you have eight other categories or seven other categories that you can overly invest in to make sure that you're still passing. Mm-hmm. And I think that really struck a chord with me. So Shannon, do you think logic can overcome emotion?
1: I think I can, and I don't think it's always good. <laughs> uh, Tell me more. Um, oh man, I'm trying to decide how much I want to go off on this. Basic, off. okay, Okay, I'm going to go off. So I've been I've been doing a lot of work around like what I call like the masculine and the feminine energetics, right? Masculine, we need both, right, to live and survive. And everybody mm-hmm. has both. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. We all have it. It's like yin and yang in some cultures, or um, what is it? Shakti and shanti or something. I forgot the terms. Logic is very much like in the masculine. And and personally, I think like we're very over-masculinized culture where like we really value like logic, productivity, like doing shit, achieving stuff all the time, sometimes at the cost of I wouldn't say being, but or I wouldn't say emotion, but maybe being. Like it's the doing versus the being. Yeah. And so sometimes I think we can logic I think logic is actually overcoming emotion for folks the majority of the time in our w- world today. And so yep. the shift that that I've been working to do in my life and that I'm I don't know, I'm exploring to see like how it manifests for some of my clients too, who are interested in this kind of work is how do we still make sure like that the being is leading and the doing is supporting, right? We're not demonizing logic, like you do need logic, right? But like, let's make sure that that the order of operations is first, let's lead with emotion. And then second, let's back it up with logic, versus it always being the other way around. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, and I don't think this disagrees with you. Because I think his point is, like, you can get emotionally overwhelmed in, like, overly investing in certain losses or misses. Yes. And then you need to kind of step back and logically approach it and say, okay, yes, work right now is an F. I have nothing. I have no jobs. I've got nothing going on. Yes. But I need to pull myself out of that funkiness and say, okay, let's look at the rest of my eight categories and how do I how do I make sure that that one doesn't bring me down to where I can't do anything else? Like I'm not being a good parent. I'm not being a good sibling. I'm not being a good child. I'm not being a good friend because I'm letting work bring me down.
1: Yes. Yes. And so in that sense, it's really, that's beautiful, right? That's a beautiful time to bring in logic or the quote masculine, as I would say it in my language. Um, But yeah, it's when people lead with it. So Mm -hmm. for example, like when I have a client who comes in and like, I want to get promoted at work. And you're like, well, like a question that I'll ask sometimes is like, well, for the sake of what? You know, like, is it just because you think you need to be doing and like be productive all the time? Or is there actually like something like some sort of emotional tie in this for you? Let's make sure that we're rooting it in what I also will call sometimes is like soul instead of your ego. Like we can just let our ego lead the way sometimes. So that's all I was checking in for is making sure like, we're not just going to go out and pick a bunch of, I did this right. So it's coming out of like very personal reflection of like where I fucked up. Like I would just set new goals. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do an Ironman for the sake of what? <laughs> like, Oh, just so I can like feel good about myself again. Cause I don't feel good unless I'm doing shit all the time that's not necessarily healthy. Let's maybe take a look at that. (laughs) So that's my, I
0: think it's fair. I think it's fair. Okay. So let me ask you this and I can go first, but can you think of a time when your career wasn't where you wanted it to be? Like, how did you invest your time?
1: Oh God. Um, All right.
0: I'm gonna let you think about it. I'm gonna give my example. Yeah, please. So when I was not working for a brief period in my career, i overly invested in my relationships and so it was like the first time i went back to palestine and saw my cousins Mm. like not around a wedding and so i got to see i've got 65 first cousins um i got to see most of them i was there for like almost two weeks and i still couldn't see all my cousins do you know how, like, wild that is?
1: Wilds. I mean, I, I can really, because I have a huge family, but, like, yeah, it's wilds.
0: Um, so, I, like, that was really nice, like, getting to, like, spend time that wasn't around a wedding. Because normally it's like, oh, we're all going to get together because it's someone's getting married. And, like, that's a good time to get together because, like, it's expensive and it takes a lot of time to get over to Palestine, right? And, like... See everyone, but if everybody's there for a wedding, it's like, oh, we're all gonna get together anyways. Like, this works. So, like, that was one of it. I remember getting to spend, um, like a week with one of my buddies. We went out and just like w- did like a buddy trip. Like, we went to Colorado and went drinking and like had a great time, but that was like not something that I would have done. And like, I got to go spend time with my goddaughter like f-
1: mm. three
0: or four days. And it's like, those are things that I wouldn't have done or I wouldn't have been able to prioritize when working. And so I don't know that it was, it was driven by like a nine category type thing, but it was like, oh, I've got time now. Career is like an F because I don't have one. So like, how else can I use this time? And for me, it was like, I'm just going to go and spend time with the people. And like that more than, made up for anything else that was lacking, right? Like if I'm Mm. an F in four of the categories, the A pluses in the other ones, like more than offset those to, I felt like I was in a a really good passing space at Mm. that time. What about you, Shannon?
1: Well, as you're talking about that, sorry, I want to like first, just go into that a little bit. I think it's interesting that your perception was like, you were an F in your career, just because you weren't working. So I'm just going to like notice that for a minute. And also I would say like, maybe that's, part of the problem is that we give ourselves letter grades instead of thinking about like ruthlessly prioritizing. Like there are things I'm hearing that more is just like a a conscious reprioritization of saying like, okay, well, like, I'm not gonna or maybe it was unconscious. I'm not going to be prioritizing my career right now. I'm going to go and prioritize these other things. And that's okay. Like, yeah, it's okay. Like you maybe can't be trying to get an A in everything all the time. And how do we normalize that a little bit?
0: No, for sure. But that's where I say, like, that's where I really like, and I feel like we're disagreeing, but we're agreeing. I think that's where I say, (laughs) I I really like the nine categories in that it's like, if one of them is going to be lower, how do you, how do you consciously like shift energy into other things Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're still feeling fulfilled at the end of the day, right? Like that you have a passing grade. That's where I say, like, I... I don't look at the F in work and say like oh man that's terrible. It's like no, like I'm choosing to do that. Like that's an okay. Yes. I'm okay having that grade right now because yes. I'm not putting energy into it. Yeah. But I'm over I'm spending that energy on these other categories to where I look at all nine and go okay, I'm I'm doing good. I'm passing.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. When I first heard your question, I thought you were saying like, so you're getting an F in your career. And like, how did you get yourself back to an A again? I'm hearing it now is different of like, so something's not going the way you want it to be. And like, you don't really have too much control over it. So like, how do you divest exactly. your energy elsewhere? I think for me, it was when I, I feel like I told this story a billion times, but like when I quit my job at Target and, and that was really born out of a conscious choice on my part. Cause I felt like, It was actually where my values and vision process was born out of, was doing that for myself and realizing, wow, I have values that are actually getting like totally underrepresented right now in my life. Like I was getting an A in my career for a really long time, and pretty much all the other nine categories were big fat Fs. Maybe finances got an A too, you know, because those two went together for me, but like everything else was an F. And so for me, I maybe swung the pendulum too hard and I like totally flipped everything on its head. So the one category too that I, I didn't hear, I'd be curious where you think this might fit in is like um, community, you know, or like a sense of contribution. Like how are you contributing to things outside of yourself or your life? And mm-hmm. that was the part for me that felt like it was really missing when I exited my corporate career. And so it was becoming a foster parent. It was um, getting involved with education equity and, and mentoring students in Minnesota. And I would f- say I'm at a crossroads in that right now as we, we don't know for sure, but we're pretty sure we're not going to re-up our foster care license next year. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm just a parent now. Like, it's not my way of, quote, contributing to yep. the larger community. It's just me, you know, being a great parent for my daughter. <laughs> so I'm in a place of, like, reconciling with that and thinking, oh, well, then what what might that look like next in terms of how I want to contribute?
0: I like that, and I think you're right. I think it's missing that sense of like communityness because it's so deeply focused on like the person uh and so there's probably room for a tenth category if we round it all out and say like how how am I being a good steward of my community,
1: yeah. And candidly, I don't have that as like a blatant category in Values and Vision either. And that's one of the rewrites that I'm thinking about for next year. So that's why I bring it up.
0: And fun, Shannon. You should add fun.
1: Fun is in it. Fun is in it. The only other category that I I, I got out the Values and Vision booklet to compare, I think he hits on most of them. Some I would say I just have one and he divides it into like three. Yep. Um, but another category that I've thought about eliminating But I actually had a client who's like, don't eliminate that physical space really matters is physical space, like being mindful Uh. of how much our environments impact us. And I don't mean like, where you choose to work, but like, literally, like your home, like, how do you make it a place that you want to be or spend time in? Because that can have a big impact on our mood. She was actually getting her PhD and like, basically writing a thesis on that at the same time. (laughs) So I was, I thought that was fascinating of like, oh, We might dismiss it, but it actually is quite impactful.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. Okay, let's wrap it all up. Um, Tactically, what I would say is find a way to check in on all aspects here for your life and keep track of it. Shannon does it at like a big level once a year and then does her monthly check-ins. Martin Short does it weekly as like a way to keep himself on track. So I think... Find what works for you, but find a way to check in with yourself and and really make sure that your life is in balance. And if it's not, how you can start to lay the groundwork to get it more in balance. The second piece is when one part of your life isn't where you want it to be, make sure the other parts make up for it. Balance, right? (laughs) And then uh, finally sometimes just let logic overcome emotion so that you can enjoy your life. One aspect when one aspect is really pulling you down.
1: Nice. I would just, I would say maybe not overcome, but like let logic help you in finding a different, dealing with finding a different emotion. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I like that.
1: All right. We would love to hear from you. What does your process look like to engage in reflection on how things are going in your life? What are your categories? Maybe you think that there's ones that we missed or the Martin Short missed. Uh, You can check us out on Instagram at Workplace Hugs and give us your thoughts. With that, I've been Shannon.
0: I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs.